Welcome to The Grow Show, powered by Steel. On The Grow Show, we share ideas, tips, tactics, and insights to help you grow your landscaping business based on our team's 40 years of experience running a landscaping company and working with other owners and their teams to do the same. New episodes are released weekly on Wednesdays. Without further ado, here's your host, Marty Grunder. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever the case may be. This is Marty Grunder from Grunder Landscaping Company and the Grow Group with another exciting edition of the Grow Show. And today, folks, you are in for a real treat. We have my good friend, fellow landscape professional, Chris Joyce from the Joyce Companies, Marston Mills, Massachusetts. Chris, how are you? I'm great, Marty. Uh, It's beautiful out today. It is beautiful. It's beautiful here today in Dayton. You know, Chris, I can't remember how many years ago we've met, but when I think of you, I just smile because you're just fun. You are, when I think of someone who, by their actions, you can tell they enjoy their work, I think of Chris Joyce. And so as before we get started into some of the meat and potatoes, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself and maybe some of the big events that that got you to where you are right now. Talk to us. So um, I'm about to be 52 years old next month. I'm the youngest of six kids. I'm the father of four children, three boys and a young girl. I'm married to my wife, Allison, for 22 years. I live and work in the place where I grew up, which is which on Cape Cod, Massachusetts, which you have to go over a bridge to get here. So it's a, it was a pretty cool place to grow up. Little did I know it would be a very good place to run a residential landscape company, but sometimes the stars align and it, it worked out really well for me. Probably some of the, I think the biggest event that got me where I am today is I was, I was brought up by a single parent, my mother, you know, we had a humble childhood and you had to work very hard for everything, you know, you had, and it made you very hungry. I was fortunate early age to get into landscaping. It was a passion of mine. And, you know, I don't, I never thought I'd be where I am today, but I just think that growing up in a huge family with not a lot was probably the number one factor that has driven me today. Why is that? Was it because that that made you hungry? What what did it what did that do for you? Because where you live is a pretty ritzy area. It is, but we weren't the ritzy family, right? right? So I just it just you know, especially being the youngest of six, it just you know not having a lot made you want to have a lot and well said yeah wanted stability and and a a lot more yeah i you know i look back on my childhood chris and we've talked a lot we're good friends and i you know i don't want to get too overstated here but but i feel very fortunate that i grew up in a similar situation i i shared a bedroom with my brother and sister our grandmother lived with us we didn't have anything but I learned a lot from that process and it certainly gave me drive that, you know, again, Chris, like we've talked about, I didn't say now I'm going to go do this and I'm bound and determined based on all these inadequacies I've received in life. It wasn't anything like that. It's just that I had two very hardworking parents that, you know, worked hard to send us, borrowed money to send us to a private high school because they didn't like the public high school. I didn't even know they borrowed money for that, but a similar situation to what you're talking about where, you know, I, I think it, it, you know, gave us some drive. Let's talk a little bit about you personally. What do you do for fun? Well, I was very involved when my kids were younger. I coached youth football for 25 years. Last year was my last year. That was a, a big 
passion of mine. I'm very involved in the community. I was a chairman of the school. I was on the school committee for eight years. I was chairman for the last two years. I do a lot of nonprofit work. Now that my kids are older and they're into golf, my wife and my sons and I are starting to play some golf together, which has been a lot of fun. Awesome. I, like, I like to travel, work on my house, you know, all, all the above is kind of what I, I like. So the Joyce Companies is a tremendous operation. I've been out there several times, beautiful area, incredible clientele. Tell us a little bit about the business itself. Maybe if you wouldn't mind sharing the revenue and the business mix, give us give us a little bit of insight into what makes Joyce Companies so successful out, out there on the Cape. So we, like all probably entrepreneurs, when we first got started, we tried to be everything to everybody. And we've continued to hone that in and hone that in and hone that in. And we're a residential contractor, high-end residential contractor. And what we concentrate on is we want to, well, we're unique here. So we market ourselves as the Joyce companies. We have a Joyce landscaping, um, which is the bigger, the animal of the, of the three. We have Always Green in Cape Cod, which is a lawn care company. And then we have Grassroots Irrigation, which is an irrigation company. What we do differently than anyone else in the marketplace is we, we're the first person on the job site. And then we want to be the last person to maintain. So we do site excavation. So we're digging the cellar hole. We're building the chimneys, we're building the patios, we're softscaping it, we're finished landscaping it, and then we're maintaining it. So we, we have kind of a vertical integration in all in a number of other right. site assets. And that's probably what does very well for us. And so you have some heavy equipment because I've seen it, large excavators, all kinds of loaders, heavy artillery, as I would say, dump trucks horizontal grinders. I mean, you've got a lot of heavy equipment to get that stuff done. And and tell us a little bit about how you sell the jobs. Are these salespeople on your team selling them or is it relationships with architects? Tell us a little bit about how you get work. Almost everything we do is a relationship. So right. it's either, you know, a landscape architect or a high-end builder or a engineer in town, you know, they, they're putting the teams together or this, this, this person's going to buy this house. It's on the water. It's a tear down. It's got conservation. And before the project starts, the art, landscape architect's been hired, the building architect, the builder, the landscape contractor. And, and that's kind of how it works. We go in yeah. as part of the team and it's been very successful for us. Yeah. And I, what, what, what will your revenues be this year? Combined between all of the companies, we could tip $29 million. Yeah, $29 million for a guy that grew up in an area without a whole lot. I mean, it's just an awesome story. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we're with Chris Joyce from the Joyce Companies, Marston Mills, Massachusetts, the Grow Show powered by steel. Chris, when my wife and I were out uh, east last year, we, we stopped by and we saw you for a couple days. And I'll tell you, the thing that impressed me the most, aside from your lovely family and your commitment to them, it was like when we drove, you were like giving me play by play. Well, that person lives there, but they used to live over there. And I worked for them at that place. And now they have this going on. And supposedly they're doing something in the backyard. I mean, we went in someone's basement and checked on the irrigation system. I mean, I was just, I was amazed. But I think I also saw why you're so successful. Relationships mean everything to you, even to me. We, we started out in a client relationship where we did some work with you. You're in our peer groups. But we've become friends. And I see why people enjoy being around you, Chris. You are a you are a relationship type of person. And I think that's part of your leadership style. Tell us a little bit 
about your leadership style there at Joyce, some of the things that, that you've learned, maybe some of the mistakes you've made. How do you get $29 million worth of work done and still have your people want to come into work? What are you doing? Good question. And, you know, as I've, as I've answered this question in the past, you know, all of my mentors were coaches, right? So sports was a big part of my life. So wow. a lot of the stuff we do is, is based off coaching. So, you know, we work really hard at culture here. And, you know, I work really hard as the leader of this organization to understand who are the people that, that are working for us every single day and trying to understand where they're coming from, what's their life about, and, and, and what makes them tick. So we... I work very hard at trying to understand everyone's name, maybe know about they have kids, that they married, and understand and celebrate the small victories. We always make sure we recognize their anniversary. We always recognize their birthdays. We try to recognize their anniversary, their children's birthday, and try to wrap, you know, as I always say, to be a great leader in today's labor force, you need to, you need to lead with empathy. And you need to understand what's the, what's the challenges that's in their lives and how can you work through that with them to get the most out of them and make them feel challenged and rewarded every single day. And that is hard, hard lifting every single day. But we sometimes we do really well at it. As, as a group, we do really well at it. Sometimes we make mistakes and overlook things so simple that are in our face. We try to understand who our makeup is and how can we how can we motivate them and things that would motivate me don't motivate them and it took me a long time to realize that once i did understand that we were off to the races and it's it's we've been very fortunate so chris i'm i'm 3 years older than you when i was at the university of dayton back in the late 80s early 90s i am not even sure i knew what the word empathy even meant but I, like you, have developed empathy. It, it, it is part of leaning with empathy. Did you learn that at Amherst? Did you, was, were you 30 when the light bulb finally went off? Do you remember an epiphany? Did it just, just kind of all of a sudden happen? Or what, when and how did empathy become part of your leadership? You know, I realized running this place like a drill sergeant wasn't going to work anymore. Okay. And I had to look and say, I, I need to change. So I, I went to a couple of conferences, you know, through probably back at the time was maybe called Alker or, or whatnot. Right. And, you know, just listen to different ways to motivate and understanding what, you know, and probably the most interesting talk I heard someone one time was what's important to you probably isn't important to the people that are working with you or for you. And if you don't understand that, you're never going to be successful. And that was the, that was the aha moment for me that I understood, okay, wow. that's, that's not the most important thing to them. Money or, or family or time is important. The religion is important to them. Their, their, their family, you know, and until I understood that, that was the aha moment. And it took me a long time once I learned that to implement that and do it well, you know, and it's still, we, we make mistakes every single day. That stuff that's right in front of us that we don't really, from an employment standpoint, that we should do a better job at. But we try. You know, as I say to everyone, we're going to keep trying. We, we sometimes fall down, but we'll keep trying. Right. At 29 million in sales and how many employees, Chris? 200 people. 200. That in itself is an overwhelming task at, at trying to keep in touch with all of them. I know even though you're that big, you still have a small business feel. Are you mentoring your other managers, 
you know, to help them lead better? Do you, are you still out there in the morning every morning? Do you know all 200 people's names? Give us a little insight as to how you're able to grow and still keep these things important to you, such as leading with empathy at the forefront. So obviously at the size we've got, I can't be everything, right? So right. we have to train our management staff and production managers to to try to uh, lead the same way. And that's not always the easiest thing. You know, not everyone's me, not everyone's Marty, but I'm still very hands-on. Like we have our, today was our Tuesday morning toolbox meeting, which we also celebrated birthdays and anniversaries. And, and, you know, we're having our summer outing on Friday, which is, you know, families all invited. You know, we talked about that, but I'm in the parking lot in the morning. You know, we, we work out of one location, which for a company our size is a little, little chaotic, but it works for us right now. I don't think it's, we can't grow much more out of here, but right. I'm fortunate that, you know, all the horses are in the same stable and I'm in the parking lot in the morning, which you learn a lot in a parking lot in, in 10 minutes. And I think that's been another key to our success is my true investment in this operation and the people and right. not losing sight of, okay, well, we're this huge company and I don't really need to be involved in that anymore. I never lost, I've never lost sight of where I came from. And I want to make sure that the people that we're sending out on the road every single day, we're sending the best possible people with the best attitude. And that's, as everyone who's listening or whatever knows, that's not easy. And No, it's not. And some days it goes well, and some days you go, wow, we really, we're not. I think we're smarter than this and this didn't go well, but right. we try. Well, and I, and I saw it firsthand that you're in there every morning. You know, I didn't see you on a loader or anything like that, but my guess would be if that's what needed to be done, you'd be on the loader and you're present. And I've heard a lot of people saying the same, say the same thing about me that man, Marty, you're there. And I, and I think if you're there and you're present, even just that mere act shows that you care and a lot can come from that. Chris, a lot of our listeners have smaller companies and they struggle with operations. I wonder if you could share how you book work, schedule work. What are some maybe unique things that you do from an operational perspective that might help some of our contractors work? We have a different philosophy here. So everyone has their own book of business, right? So if you're a if you're in the on the maintenance team and you're a maintenance account manager on the residential side, you have your own book of business. Okay. So that's your customers. You manage that work. You have the client relationship. I don't have salespeople and then have production managers and maintenance. I, got you. I have, they, that's their account. They sell the account. They produce the account. And so there's less points of, less points of contact. And on the residential side, for us, it works. I have a lot of people that would debate me all day long, but that's so what we try to do here is every person is responsible for their, you know, there's a department head that's responsible for the whole department, but then you have managers that are responsible for, I mean, you have individual account reps who are responsible for their book of business and their revenue. And we do that throughout both sides of the business. Now on the larger construction jobs, it's more of a group effort where, you know, the site team goes in, then there's a, then the hardscape team goes in, then the softscape team goes in, but there's still a project manager overseeing that project. Okay. Are you using electronic schedule boards? Are you still scheduling manually? We still, unfortunately, we are. We're, we're in the process of trying to hire a, a new 
controller, which has been a longer process than I thought. And okay. um, once that is done, we will change our operating. Well, I, I know you're organized. It, yeah. it may it may mean it's kind of work intensive because it's not electronic, but I, I know you're organized. Yeah, but we have too much double entry. Okay, is the problem. So it's it's hit, it's from a paperwork standpoint, it's inefficient at this stage for this, especially for the size of business that we're at. What pieces of technology are you using that, to to run the business with? Is there anything there we maybe could glean from? Well, we're running three separate businesses. Even though we market them under the Joyce companies, they're three separate companies. This separate tax ID numbers. Okay. So, like in our lawn care company, we use Real Green Systems, which I'm sure everyone's familiar with. Oh yeah, excellent program. Phenomenal, phenomenal uh, operating system for for our lawn care business. And I don't think we have would have had the success that we've had without that system. In our irrigation business, we're using Hindsight, which is basically a scheduling program, but it's it's you know it's phenomenal for note taking and scheduling and, and and whatever. On the bigger company, Joyce, we've got kind of a homegrown system where we're doing still running the system, you know, we're we're running our accounting through QuickBooks, and then everything else is done through systems we've built through Excel. Okay, and that's how we're doing it. Like we, yeah. we have an, so like we have one, like we have a one tree crew that just does residential pruning, but if you need them for construction job, you have to book them online. Right. So it's, okay. we have like a system that you have to book and like fill out a little form and whatnot. Okay. So it's kind well, of, it sounds like there's some opportunities there. And I know as smart as you are, you, you know, in, in the peer groups and so forth that, that you've been part of with us, man, you listen well and you're constantly, I mean, when I think of somebody who's passionate about their business, I think of you. I really do. I, I, it was so much fun to see your operation. I've seen it a few times, but the last time to spend time with you, go on job sites, see how you work. It's, it's very, very impressive. Trucks and equipment. Tell us a little bit about your philosophy on trucks and equipment. Do you buy new? Do you buy used? Do you have a mechanic? When do you get rid of something? You buy, lease. Just tell us a little bit about your philosophy on equipment. So, we have two different, you know, we have when you're buying for maintenance or buying for construction or buying heavy equipment. We buy new except when it comes to the really large, large stuff. You know, sometimes when we're buying a Mack truck for our site division, we will some more than not look for a slightly used vehicle just because costs are so overwhelming. We have our own leasing company. So we have a company called JLC Equipment Corporation, which owns all the equipment for all the companies. And then they lease back to the different companies in the division. Interesting. We are old school on the equipment where we're, you know, if you look at most people in the industry, they're doing a seven year cycle and all the, all the numbers are telling you that we're not there. I'm a little bit of an old Yankee here sometimes, but we have a full shop. We have a fleet manager and four mechanics underneath him and the heavy site. You need a, a lot of hands to fix that we need to do a better job at cycling out equipment and that's my fault because i'm i like when stuff doesn't have a payment but it's still what and i've known this forever you have a payment you have repair costs it's the same money yeah yeah no that's that's a great way to say, say yeah, that again it's say that again you either have a payment or you have a repair costs yeah and, it, and when you're buying and fixing stuff after the fact meaning when you have a eight-year-old right. truck that needs a transmission transmission costs a lot more right 
Do you buy, you buy, lease, pay cash? Tell me a little bit about that. We have, what we try to do is we have a, we have a, a box that we try to fit into and meaning we have X number of dollars that are, we call it our iron per month, per day. It's broken. You divide it by 20 and it tells you. So if we need something and it doesn't fit into that box, we're buying it. We don't, okay. we're not, because we, we, we're not going over what that number is, which is our overhead structure. But then you're taking money out of operations, you know, so it is, we, we're, we finance, we like to finance, but if it doesn't fit in the box, we're purchasing. Okay. But well, we, we do not, we will not finance a trailer. We don't finance a mower. $15,000 and under, we don't finance anything. Right. Exactly. Smart. Let's, let's switch one more gears to another part of the business, marketing and sales. What's your philosophy there? What do you do in terms of marketing? I know that you have deep relationships with architects in the area. Is there anything else in sales and marketing that the listeners on the Grow Show Powered by Steel could glean from? So for the last three years, we've spent all our marketing dollars on recruiting, right? So okay. we took our total marketing budget. We were doing radio, radio advertising, and we were doing a Friday night ad on the Boston Red Sox, but locally. Like you could buy a Boston Red Sox ad, but it, people in not in our market weren't seeing it. It was just to our local market. We were doing that wow. and doing some print in some high-end home magazines. Okay. That makes sense. We cut all of that. We took all those dollars and put them all towards recruiting because we had more work than we knew what to do with. Now that's changing, right? Yeah. So now that so now we going into 24, I think we'll do a hybrid. We will put, you know, we'll take that budget, spend half of it on marketing and half of it on recruiting. See, folks, we're with Chris Joyce today from the Joyce Companies on the Grow Show powered by Steel. Chris, this is what I like about you. You are just a Salt of the earth, what's in front of me? How can I adjust? Not going to complain. I'm going to manipulate things here and I'm going to get better. What What did you do to recruit and find the people to be fully staffed? Begged? No. <laughs> we did a number of things. We, we went heavy after the food and beverage industry because those people are aging and they're not getting benefits and they're starting to have kids and they're all to midnight and they're drinking and it's not good for their marriages. So we started to break into that a little bit. We forever were a non-Hispanic company. We, we, we did not have a Hispanic workforce. We, three years ago, and it's the best thing that happened to our organization was we, we broke into the Hispanic workforce and that saved us from the, from the beginning of COVID on. And they're great people. They work hard, they're religious, and they bring good people with them. So that's that's been a big. I, I I would agree with you, and I think just about everyone listens probably shaking their head as well. They've had a similar, you know, it's refreshing to see people with a work ethic that give a darn about their job, and they're actually concerned if somebody's disappointed in their effort. So let let's let's switch gears here just a little bit. You've been coming to grow in our events. You've been involved in peer groups. You go to other local things, national things. What's your feeling on going to grow, being in a peer group? Why do you do that? What have you learned from those things? I'm just always want to learn. So, you know, I, I, I learn just as much from a presentation as I do from having dinner with someone and, and, well, how are you dealing with this and how's your operation and how are you purchasing your equipment? And I'm just, I'm a people person. I like people. 
I, I love to learn. I, I, I'm a sponge. You know, I want to get as much information as I can. And I just find that, you know, I will tell you my business, our business changed when we joined at the time was Alka, which is now now. It just opened my eyes to this is such a much bigger and better industry than I ever realized. And that's when I started to look at this business completely differently. And that was the leapfrog of me then meeting guys like you and joining peer groups and, and approaching this, that it, it's an unbelievable profession that we need to get people into and we need to raise the bar and we need to pay people better. And, you know, I probably went to my first Alcor event 22 or 23 years ago and it changed my life and my career forever. Yeah. Well, and I know... You were accountability partners with a gentleman by the name of Matt and and Matt Baker from Northern Michigan. And we kind of had like the odd couple, one guy from the middle of nowhere with a guy from the Cape. One guy's gregarious and outgoing. The other guy's a hermit. And you you two have formed, I would say, a lifetime friendship. Oh, haven't yeah. you? He's my buddy. And we we talk all the time. And, yep. you know, what? We, we see each other at events. We always make sure we go to dinner with our wives and He's just, he's a, he's a true friend and he's always picking up the phone. And, you know, I was a gentleman I met through you and, and, you know, we are complete opposites. You just said it as, as, but he's the bright guy. He's he's an honest man. Yeah. And we learn a lot from each other. Well, and you both have a lot in common too. You're both uh, very good husbands and very good parents. So I'm sure Matt's listening and he's probably laughing right now because that's what you seem to get. Matt to do. I think you got Matt to loosen up a little bit. And I think Matt got you to calm down a little bit. So there's no question. Yeah, it's been a good thing. So I'm going to get a little bit sappy on you, Chris. You're an awesome father and a husband. Why? It's important. You know, growing up, you know, my parents were divorced since I was three and a half years old. My dad was always around. But, you know, I, I made sure when I got married, you know, we dated for six years. Like she came, my wife, Allison came from divorced parents. I came from divorced parents. And, you know, I wanted a friend as well as I wanted a partner, meaning my wife. And, you know, I've coached youth football for 25 years and I saw so many kids go through that program that didn't have good parents. No one was paying attention to them. And that was probably a big eye opener for me to make sure you get one shot. at wow. yeah. And I always say in business, attention equals retention. But it's the same thing with kids. They just want to be loved and they want you to be part of their life and they want you to know you're there for them and, and you're there to support them. And you're also there to be stern with them when you need to be, you know, and I have four children, which is the greatest joy of my life. It's been, you know, I, I every day, I mean, I, I, my oldest boy is home from college. He's working with me this summer and it's just been a blast, you know, and all three, the other three are, you know, everyone's working and they're good kids. Are they angels? No, God. I mean, I got, I got one kid who's about to be 21 years old. I got another one who's 19 and, you know, they're in college and they still think they're in college. I'm like, okay, well, we go to bed here before midnight or two o'clock <laughs> in the morning. And, but it's, it's, it's been a blast. We did, you know, all the sports together as kids and they've got good friends. And, but being a, husband and a dad is is my two in being a brother and, and a son you know all of that combined i think part of the big picture well i always like being around you chris we have a lot in common and i i watch how you are as a husband and a parent and i learn and uh, you know it, it is about the time and the attention that we share you know it's i mean yeah you can go on wonderful trips you can buy your kid a new car you can do all that stuff 
but what you said there, I think is so true. They just want to be loved and they, they want to know you're there for them and, and that you're interested in them and, and really not a whole lot different than our employees. A little bit, not as strong. I understand a little bit the same with our clients. You know, they want to know you care about them. They want to know you're paying attention to them. I mean, I think there's a lot of lessons there that you've shared with us here on the Grow Show Powered by Steel that are very, very helpful. Chris, what do you want to be remembered for? I want to be remembered for doing it the right way and improving it. So if I had an employee that worked for me for 30 years, they, they were, they, they, at the end of 30 years, they said, wow, that was a great experience. Or a competitor says, that Chris Joyce was a good guy and he tried to always do it right and, and, and make the industry better. You know, I, I remember once I listened to someone talk about their dad and he, uh, my friend and he said he always did it the right way. And that's kind of how I, I just want to be the guy that did it the right way. Yeah. Well, you're you're well on your way there, Chris. I, I, I think I, I know you're doing it the right way. What would you tell your 25 year old self to do and not do? Oh, God. Business or just in, anything? Yeah, I mean, I made a lot of mistakes early on here. You know, I spun my, I mean, I thought I was growing this great business and spinning my wheels and we were doubling the business in a year. We weren't making a dime. We're on the verge of bankruptcy a couple of times. You know, I wish I, as smart as I thought I was, I was an idiot. And I wish I had got, I, I wish I, I was an operator, but I wasn't, I didn't pay attention to the back end early on. And I, I would just tell anyone who's young in the industry, Hire the best accountant, hire the best lawyer, set up your books, be legitimate and do everything to build a business. Be be a business person first and a landscaper second. OK, wow. Be a business person first and a landscaper second. That's because tremendous advice. You put those two together, you'll be the best landscape professional. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I was a landscaper like and happy being a landscaper. But. I also realize it's not sustainable. And, it, you know, I, I spun my wheels for a bit. Once we figured it out, I'm like, all right, this is an overly challenging. But I think, and, and I also, I just think you also, as a leader, and you're going to start attracting people to come work for you, make sure you're there to, to, to be there for them and to make sure you're setting them up for success, not putting them in difficult situations. You know, we... we I'm fortunate to be where I'm at today because we made a lot of dumb mistakes and, you know, didn't have the safest work at now that I'm looking back at what we did, we, we made, did some dumb stuff and we persevered through it. But, and I had some loyal people that stood by my side, but you know, it was some humble beginnings here. Yeah. Well, for sure. And I, you know, when I see you, as I listen to you tell that story, I think that's part of what drives you today. I mean, when we were there that Saturday morning, you had a whole bunch of people in work and you knew every single person's name and you were having personal conversations with them, checking in, and they were glad to see you. And I think when we are appreciative of the struggles that we went through and the path that we took, some of this becomes manifested in our leadership style on a daily basis. And I give you kudos for that, Chris Joyce. You're a good man. What's on the horizon for you and the Joyce companies? What's your succession plan? And if you don't have one, it's okay. I just wanted to ask you that. Very good question. And now that I'm going to be 52 on August 9th, you know, gift cards, you know, small cash donations, whatever you'd like to send me. It's a good question. And I can't answer that. And I, I wish I could, but I don't have an answer. I'm still passionately engaged every single day in what I do, but I can't do it forever. But I'm, I'm here to do this for a long time. 
we're just continually here trying to, to hone in and fine tune our model, which is build the landscape and maintain the landscape and do better at it every single year, you know, and develop people. You know, we're starting to attract some young, energized people to our organization, which for a while here, everyone in management was the same age, which was not healthy. And we're, we're starting to turn the tide here a little bit and attract some young people. And that, that's going to be a big goal for us. But we don't have these audacious goals of, okay, we're going to go into another market. We're going we're, we're to continue to fine tune what we do, get better at it. And I'm, I think the next big move we'll have will be a satellite because we're, we're getting too big and, and losing efficiencies of, of having this large of an operation out of here. No, oh, it makes sense. Well, Chris, it's been great to be with you. I know you really, really well, but as I as I listen to you here and I'm like dialed in and interviewing you, I'm I'm realizing something else about you, and that is that you really don't talk too much. You're you you know who you are, you know what's important, and you're very, very focused on that. And you're you're a feel guy for your business. You you have a very good feel for what's going on. And uh, you're in there and you love your job and you love your family. I mean, those are those are some basic things that, you know, I, I hope people think of me what I'm thinking of you right now in terms of your approach. And uh, you need to know that you've helped a lot of people being with us today on The Grow Show. Thank you, Marty. And I've enjoyed this. And thank you to anyone that took 35 minutes out of their day to listen to us. <laughs> hey, it's great. Now, listen, we would be really remiss if we didn't end this episode with something you're known for. Can you do it for me? All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Joyce from the Joyce Companies on the Grow Show, powered by Steel. Chris, thanks again. Love you, brother. All right. So long, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Grow Show. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and head to growgroupinc.com for more information and resources to grow your landscaping business. A special thanks to the folks at Steel whose support makes this podcast possible and whose reliable handheld power equipment makes our jobs easier daily. We'll talk to you next week.